0: Check in though with our guy, host of the Lions Edge podcast, presented by BetMGM. It's the great Chase Kitty. Chase, we got a lot going on tonight. Just uh, tell us some of your some of your favorite plays that you got going on right now. Uh, a couple of parlays
1: to start the night off. I had uh, A's. Uh, what we got over nine, and then Yankees run line in that Oakland uh, Yankees game that you just talked about. So we're well on our way there uh, with seven runs, and I think the fourth inning. I've got. This might even be borderline square, but you talked at the top of the show, PJ, just about the run of favorites in the NBA. So I went kind of chalky NBA money line parlay, Celtics Nuggets. Uh, it felt like one hey, of the Celtics, the series is tied two to two, but they're like plus 45 point differential. Just felt like I was a little aberrational and we were going to see a Celtics win. The score certainly isn't saying that so far, but it's a four-quarter game for a reason. And I feel like the Nuggets are going to bounce back as well. So those are are the positions that I've already got. Those games sometimes have already started. Don't know how much help that is. In terms of props, uh, I'm actually head-to-head here. I've got the Harden under 21.5. I know you guys talked about this earlier. Uh, And Sean liked the over there. Uh, Yes, he's had two 40-point explosions. He also went, I think, for 16 and 12 in the other two games. Uh, so the book's kind of wedged. It, they can't set it up at like 30 and, and play a more square approach in between, you know, kind of where he was and where he has been. Uh, so they, they have to set it a little lower. I think to me that says negative regression. I went for the under there. Uh, in the late game, I'm on Kevin Durant under five and a half assists uh, I got it at plus 110. I think it's now minus 130. Uh, I put that in my prop column, and then it got juiced to hell. So you guys can decide whether or not I'm responsible for that or not. But I, I really liked the the idea of Durant assists going down with some offensive negative regression, given what Phoenix's offense is going to look like now that the show goes back on the road to Denver. Uh, he is not a six-assist-a-game kind of guy when you look at his splits. But he has had six assists in each of the last two games that were in Phoenix. So expecting some negative regression there. I also like the over on uh, Nikola Jokic's PRA, uh, points, rebounds, assists. It's a crazy high number, 53.5, which is ludicrous for that market. But when you look at just the box score lines he's had in games 2, 3, and 4, it's completely absurd. He's been north of 60 in all three games. So even though it's a really high number, I actually think that's, that's kind of evidence from the book. Of how great his box scores have been that they have to set the number that high in the first place
2: well if you're on the canes you're feeling good since you've been talking carolina scored and then they scored again so it went from two to one to three to one to four Chase to is one, on
0: the carolina. whole
2: show he's on the whole show <laughs> yeah yeah let's let him talk for the rest of the show uh philly the 76ers right now looking pretty good let's just for the sake of this you know Let's have a little bit of fun here. Let's say Philly gets the win tonight, and then we're going to wake up tomorrow morning, and on BetMGM, it's going to tell us that the Los Angeles Lakers are the favorites to win the NBA Finals. Are we getting too excited with Los Angeles, or are they really the team that we should be talking about to win the whole thing? Uh, It's a great question, and it's something I've I've written about a couple
1: of times this year, both for the the blog at BetMGM, the Roar, and also for NBA.com. One of the things you have to keep in mind – with the Lakers specifically is that when the Lakers are good, people love to bet the Lakers Lakers fans love to bet the Lakers non-Lakers fans love to bet the Lakers. And so as soon as there's just a whiff of them being decent, as soon as there's a whiff of a pathway to a championship, you have to know that those odds, they're not just going to spike. They're going to intentionally be overpriced so that the book can insulate itself against too much action. So, I say all that to emphasize the idea that if you're now thinking about betting on the Lakers, you're too late, right? You're not getting the best of the number. You're not even getting close to the best of the number. The time to bet the Lakers, you know, you don't have to be totally revisionist about this. They were hundred to one on January 1st. They were like, I don't know, maybe like 30 to one, probably at the end of February after the trade deadline, you could have bet them even at the start of the playoffs and gotten a decent number. But I think, I think, Sean, your analysis is absolutely right. If the Celtics go down in this game and they're down 3-2 in this series to Philadelphia, the Lakers are the favorite tomorrow. And that means they're going to be overpriced and you should be looking to play other teams down the board. I would say Denver's probably the team to start with. And Miami's been priced out, or the opposite of priced out. They've been underpriced for weeks, given how many teams are left and what their path is.
0: Chase, Sean, and I were talking earlier in the show about Golden State right now being plus three seventy-five to win this series. Even though we both think the Lakers do win, as you know, part of sports betting is is just gambling, and sometimes, or is is getting value, and sometimes just taking a number. Based purely off of that and golden state has a home game tomorrow night they have a hypothetical home game in game seven where they're going to be favored by like five and a half six again and then game six against the lakers are probably going to be like a three three and a half point dog you can get a plus 375 on a team who you know won't get very money like big minus numbers next to their name do you think there's there's something to be said about maybe taking a stab with that?
1: Yeah, I think you frame that correctly, too, PJ. It, it's the idea of, does this number match up to the implied odds that it carries? And when you're talking about getting almost 4-1 to one for this Golden State team, you've got to think they're not going to go quietly into the night. You've got to like their chances in Game 5. I think we saw with the Lakers in the Memphis series how willing they are to go ahead and let the other team get Game 5, expend that energy, let them have the game that's in their place and then come back and try to wrap it up in game six. Now, maybe you adjust a little bit off that and maybe you start to wonder, uh, hey, do we want to try to burn the thrusters in game five so that we can rest in game six and we're good to go again in game seven? Like there are other sort of psychological adjustments that you can make off of that, but you've got to think Golden State is going to continue to fight in the series and be relevant and extend this out I would think to at least to Game 6. They haven't been great on winning on the road this year, but maybe they can win a Game 6. They can push you to a Game 7. I think when you take big numbers like this, it's something I try to harp on most of the time that I come on the show almost every week. When you take big numbers, you give yourself options down the road. You give yourself hedge material. Um, personally, I don't think I would take the 375, But that's because I think there are other more middle ground options that I would rather look at. You can get updated series spreads on BetMGM. And I I would maybe go look at that like a Golden State plus two and a half or a Golden State plus one and a half in the series spread market. That way it's a little more obtainable and you have a real shot at a middle where, like, you can buy the Lakers to win game six, but also have a Golden State plus two and a half series. You middle it, you win both sides.
2: Would you believe, since you've been talking the last two minutes, Carolina scores again, make it 5-1 <laughs> Carolina. So you there go the, the Unders. Show. But if you're on the Canes, bro, you're looking pretty good. Um, oh, staying man. out west in that Phoenix is just unbelievable. With four goals in five minutes and 20 seconds. That's crazy. Staying out west, though, with that, uh, that Phoenix and Denver series, if I'm looking at props – Do we think Mm -hmm. that the big guys can keep up the big numbers? I'm not talking about Jokic putting up 53. I'm not necessarily talking about Devin Booker being quite as efficient. But if I'm going to play those numbers, can the big names keep it up? Well, it would be
1: hard to keep it up at the pace we've seen the last couple of games. I I think Devin Booker off the top of my head is 34 for 43 from the floor the last two games. Nobody can do it. Michael Jordan can't do that, right? So that over – over a stretch of multiple games, law of large numbers, you're gonna see negative regression. That's just how it is. You can be the greatest player in the history of the sport, you're not gonna maintain that. Um, So the question to me is where's the drop off and how do you sort of massage the props and the regression and all of those things. I do think we're gonna continue to see a general offensive lift as long as Chris Paul remains out in the series. Because I think one of the adjustments the Suns have made is to try and Joe did a good job talking about all this uh, in, in the last segment as well but I think they're going to try to push the pace and continue to break down Denver's defense with speed I think that's been the big difference in the last two games it you would think you know when you take out Chris Paul the, the sun's offense would get less of uh, less efficient it would become uh, less powerful but the way they're able to challenge Denver's defense I think, has led to a lot of statistical accumulation. And as long as Paul is out and as long as Phoenix is pushing the pace, I think you're going to continue to see numbers on that side at least pile up, even if it's not at this ridiculous rate that's unsustainable.
0: Chase, I want to shift gears with you to the NFL. We just had the uh, NFL draft about a couple weeks ago. Anything that you like, rookie of the year, uh, offensively, defensively, any bets that you've already placed maybe in the futures market?
1: Uh, I haven't placed any futures for, for stuff like that. I, I can tell you one thing I did notice, uh, and I did a piece on this for the uh, that MGM blog last week, is I went and looked at how the numbers, how the, the straight Super Bowl futures odds changed from right before the draft to right after the draft. And there were some winners. There were some losers. Some of them are obvious. Some of them were less obvious. Uh, like the Browns were actually somehow a big winner from the NFL draft. I'm not sure I, I see that. But, you know, sometimes Sharp better see stuff that I don't. Uh, I think the obvious one at the top of the board. It's it's kind of unusual to see lots of movement at the top because you think, hey, Super Bowl contenders like they're kind of already put together before the draft. You're just adding, you know, cherries and and uh, and, and pieces around the edge to a Super Bowl core in a draft for a team like the Chiefs or the Bills or the Bengals or whatever. The Eagles actually moved up a non-insignificant amount. They were nine to one before the draft. They were tied with the 49ers in the NFC odds. Uh, they were behind the Bills. They were either behind the Bengals or tied with the Bengals. They moved ahead of all of these teams. They're now the clear-cut favorite in the NFC. They are second in the Super Bowl odds market, only behind Kansas City. And that is a little surprising to me because Philadelphia, in free agency, lost a ton of Uh, It's nice for them to get Jalen Carter, who I think could be a real impact player right out of the gate. I think that's sort of a franchise player that they got along the defensive line that fell to them at nine. So I I understand why betters look at that and say, Hey, you got a real guy that's going to, you can just plug and play and you trust him in the culture of the team. But I do think it's interesting that that was the big winner at the top of the board. And then you've got other teams down the board, like the Patriots made a big jump up uh, the Seahawks they added another impact player, at wide receiver. That offense is going to hum this year. Uh, they made a, a nice jump up the board about, uh, I think they went from like 40 to 1 to 30 to 1. So some interesting numbers in there. And those numbers will continue to evolve throughout the season, uh, throughout the summer, excuse me. But really, you want to jump in right now and get the value where it is best before that value starts to get eroded over months and months of, of summer sharps coming in, doing their homework, and betting the market over and over again.
2: Speaking of futures bets and sticking with the NFL, I'm in this bubble here in Kansas City, so I always like to ask the sharp betters: If he, if is it wise to take the Chiefs to win the whole thing again? Because obviously they're going to be the, the 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 they're not can't make a ton of money on them. They're probably going to by the time the season kicks off five and a half six to one something like that at BetMGM. Is it worth taking them, or is it worth taking a stab on maybe a few of the other teams? Well, I think the best answer to that is. You're not limited
1: to only one bet, right? I mean, take take, take stabs at multiple teams. I, the best argument for the Chiefs is that you're not going to get a better number for the Chiefs six months from now than you can get it now. So if you feel like a repeat is really on the table, you get it now. You have hedge opportunities later because you've already got the Chiefs at a way better number than they'll be available for in week 13, but absolutely, line up some some other long shots that you like too at twenty eight to one or sixty six to one or, or whatever you can find that you feel like there's a real path for.
0: He is Chase Kitty, nice enough to join us here on Bet MGM tonight, host of the Lions Edge podcast. Chase, we really appreciate the time, man, and uh, good luck to all your parlays, your live bets, and enjoy the games tonight.
1: Thanks, guys. Have a good night.
0: Great Chase Kitty there, kind enough to join us. It's a good question, though, Sean. I mean, Kansas City, right? No, it
2: wasn't. It was supposed to be, but I worded it horribly. What I was trying to ask him is, would you take the Chiefs or would you take the field? So let me ask you, would you take the Chiefs (laughs) or take the field?
0: I think you got to take the field because, like you were saying a couple segments ago, the AFC is just so loaded, and it's tough to bet against Mahomes and Reed, but with the Bengals. And you just figure like at some point, Allen's probably gonna get to one. Lamar's probably gonna get to one. The Jets are gonna have a really good team. Oh no! Those those Chiefs are tough though. I think I would take the field, but uh, we we will see. Coming up, wrapping up our number two of MGM tonight. Talking Eastern Conference Finals MVP market.